your eyes to the skies. It's time for Space Out on 95 PFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium. Hello, Josh. Kia ora. How's it going? It's good. How are you? You back in at the, the Stardome yet? Are the Renos finished? No, I still got another month and a half to go. Ooh. So, yeah, still at the temp office, but yeah, hopefully, still um, early June is the date. Oh, yeah, nice one. Now, what are we chatting about this afternoon for Space News? Uh, we had the uh, almost first attempt of Starship uh, last night, actually, which was uh, almost very exciting. Unfortunately, it did get cancelled. Um, but yeah, we're getting really close to that first launch of yeah, world's most powerful rocket, which is pretty cool. The tallest, most powerful rocket. I've been looking at some uh, artist impressions of rockets over the ages, mm. and it is the biggest one. It's also slightly different looking. Oh yeah, it's it's massive. It's the yeah, tallest, most powerful. Um, biggest essentially rocket that we've ever made. Um, yes. it, yeah, it's much bigger, more powerful, capable than you know the famous Saturn V. Um, and yeah, it looks extremely you know futuristic. And you know, I was watching the live stream yesterday um, of the launch attempt, and it, it just it almost looks like an animation. It just looks kind of unreal yes. to see kind of this really futuristic looking spacecraft you know about to take off. Looks like a giant eel. It reminds me of a giant <laughs> eel, like this big like kind of silver thing with. I don't know, fins halfway up its body, pointy Yeah, head. and it's obviously like a, a really unique design with the, the wings at the top um, to kind of, you know, propulsively land. So mm-hmm. there's nothing like it out there. Yes. And uh, so they have they obviously have such a complex uh, system for measuring every single component on board the spacecraft that they mm. can just go, hey, this one part is not working, we're pulling the pin? Or do you think there's a, is there a yeah. point where they go, mm, well, that little bit's failed, let's just go anyway? Yeah, I mean, the thing about rockets is they, they kind of really are the most complex, you know, pieces of engineering that we've ever made. Mm. Um, and, you know, for rockets, there are so many things that can go wrong, thousands of things can go wrong, but for rockets to work, everything has to go right. So as soon as there's even one point of contact where, you know, they notice that a reading's off, something doesn't look right, um, they will not launch because, you know, these are really expensive things to build. Yes. Um, and especially for this rocket, because it's never been flown before, this is a brand new rocket. It's brand new technologies. Um, and none of these things have been tried before. So it, they really have to make sure that, you know, whatever does happen, that they're doing the best they can, essentially. Um, but even in saying that, you know, the CEO of SpaceX has said outright that this launch, which I think is now scheduled for uh, Thursday night or Thursday morning, um, it might not even work. It's very likely that the rocket's going to explode. It's not going to make it to orbit. Um, but that's kind of just the process of mm. trial and error, essentially, which, yes. yeah, in this case, is quite an explosive endeavor. All right, so they just, like, go for it. If it doesn't work, we're just going to go for it anyway. Yeah, I mean, the goal for them is to reach orbit, but, you know, they've said, you know, if we clear the launch pad, that's actually just a success. Because yes. testing, you know, a rocket that has 33 engines all going at the same time, yeah. it's just unheard of, you know. So if they can do that, if they can clear the launch pad, everything after that is considered mm-hmm. a success. Um, and as far as they get into space, it's going to give them data and, you know, they can improve on that if, if it fails or if it keeps going. So the ultimate goal is got, it will be carrying a payload of astronauts. Uh, once they've got the everything ironed out, all the kinks ironed out, they'll be carrying a payload of astronauts up to the moon? Yeah, so this rocket, this is SpaceX's rocket, but it's actually a critical part of NASA's Artemis program. So for yeah. Artemis 3, when they actually land on the moon, they're going to be using a variation of this rocket. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, obviously SpaceX, they want it to work because it's their rocket and they have their own plans, but NASA's going to be kind of keenly watching because it's really dependent those two programs working together. Yes. Um, and NASA hasn't awarded you know any other contracts for another company to develop a landing system for the moon. Yeah. So uh, yeah, if Starship doesn't, you know, if it fails, if it's not ready in that 2025 frame line, uh, We're not going timeline, yeah, we're not going to be going to the moon, you know, another year or two delay. So okay. it's really dependent on both parties. Now this the um, this rocket Starship snaps in half once it's up in orbit, <laughs> yeah. and the base turns around and returns to Earth, like fires another rocket and shoots back to Florida. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, most rockets have what we call stages, so they break off once you know it's pretty much empty. Um, most rockets just fall to the ocean, but SpaceX's rockets, they basically propulsively fly back down and land. Mm. Um, so there's all those, you know, hundreds of videos of the Falcon 9 rocket landing, which is their kind of workhorse rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, this first launch, so they won't be attempting a landing because, again, they just need to get it off the ground. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the second, third, fourth iterations of the rocket, once they've got that actually launching, you know, it's all going good, they're going to then try for those landings, which, again, is a completely different technique. So there's just so many complexities for this rocket. Mm-hmm. Okay, crazy. Um, anything else we need to know about this little number? Honestly, I would just recommend if anyone is awake on Wednesday night slash Thursday morning at like 1.30, mm. um, that's when the live stream is, and it's going to be quite exciting, I think, even if it explodes, and I'll be definitely... Definitely oh, is it, on, it, is it on NASA's website? Where do people go to watch uh, it's it? It's on SpaceX's website, so it's, it's already pinned on their um, on their YouTube page, so okay. you can actually just watch the stream once it's on. Excellent. Now, in other space news, the European European Space Agency has successfully launched a, um, what, a rocket to go and have a look at Jupiter. Yeah, so Europe's got their um, the first European probe, the European Space Agency has launched there. It's called JUICE, <laughs> uh, which stands for Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer. Um, so this is a spacecraft that's going to be heading to the Jovian system out at Jupiter. Um, and the focus of this mission is to study three of Jupiter's four main moons. Um, and those three, because they have large amounts of water, um, and we've found that from other missions. So this is kind of the first real dedicated mission to get to those outer moons um, mm-hmm. and hopefully find, you know, more evidence of that water and, you know, potentially what's happening there. Yeah. I mean, how big, just to give us a sense of scale, how big it's, is it Ganymede, Castillo and Europa that it's going to look at? How, mm. big, how big are each of these moons? Um, two of them are huge. So Ganymede's the largest moon in the solar system. It's actually bigger than the planet Mercury. So it's a mammoth moon. Mm-hmm. Um, Callisto is also very, very big, about roughly the same size. Um, and Europa is just a little bit smaller than our moon. So they're all quite comparable in sizes. Yes. Um, but yeah, Ganymede is the main focus. And the spacecraft is actually, actually eventually going to go into orbit around Ganymede, which mm-hmm. is quite impressive. And that's going to be the first time that we've ever orbited another moon of a different planet. You know, we've done flybys and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, the complexities and, you know, literal rocket engineering of actually getting a spacecraft into orbit around another planet or yeah. another planet's moon is really complex. So it's, it's quite an impressive feat if they can, you know, pull it off. So Jupiter itself is 100% made of gas, but these three moons are made of, like, classic moon stuff, like dirt and ice? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, get, Jupiter is a gas giant, so there's, you know, 
you can't land in there or anything, but the moons is kind of what has scientists excited because mm. these outer moons, because it's also really cold and frigid out there, they're kind of icy moons. So we know that these moons, um, specifically Europa and Ganymede, basically they're covered in these huge shells of ice, like an icy, rocky kind yeah. of surface. Um, but under that ice, we know that they have bodies of liquid water. So we're talking like salt water, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason, you know, that's so exciting is because we know that, you know, Earth's life, whenever we look for water, there is life there. And mm. we think, you know, these moons have huge amounts of liquid water, mm-hmm. which doesn't exist anywhere else but Earth. Mm. Um, these moons have the potential, you know, the ingredients for life, essentially. So that's yes. why we have all these missions. Um, like the European one, and NASA's going to be launching a really similar mission next year too. So there's quite a few heading out that way. So this is, would you say that this is the best place to look for life in our solar system? Yeah, I think it's one of them. I think, you know, Mars is obviously a candidate because it did have water, we know that, but the problem with Mars is it's super dry today. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas these moons, we know that that liquid water exists, and, we've, you know, we've seen geysers of ice water, um, you know, literally spraying out of these moons in these giant eruptions. Yes. Um, so it is really likely that there might be maybe not full direct evidence, but we might find that all the key ingredients, you know, an energy source, organic molecules, water, that all of those things do exist in these places. Um, so that, yeah, kind of does make them the biggest candidate for finding life, essentially, which yeah, is, you know, the ultimate goal of astronomy, really. Back to Jupiter being a gassy planet, how on Earth, or how did it end up with a moons which are rocky? Um, short answer is we don't know. I mean, there, mm. there's lots of theories about the formation of Jupiter and then the moons. There are theories that, you know, a lot of the stuff that made that made up these moons was captured from the asteroid belt. Mm. Um, there's theories that it was actually just, you know, coalesced from the same disk of dust when Jupiter formed. Um, but again, these missions, they're not just going to be looking for those questions of like, oh, you know, yes. what's in this water. It does actually help us understand the formation of these moons because there are so many things we don't know about mm. these moons, um, about Jupiter itself and just the ultimate formation of our entire solar system, including the Earth. Mm. So, yeah, these missions kind of, they hit, hit many nails on the head with all of those questions that we can't really answer just from looking from Earth. Okay, another stupid question. If Jupiter is just made of gas, how does all that gas just stay together out in space? Um, no, it's a good question. It's ba- basically mass. So anything that is something, which is everything, has mass. So the more stuff that there is in something, the more mass and then the more gravity it has. Um, so even though Jupiter is not rocky per se, it still has huge amounts of hydrogen, helium, and that stuff still weighs. Mm. It has weight, essentially. Could you fly um, straight through it? that weight has gravity. Could, could you, like, psh- fly yeah. through you think in theory, but the problem with it is the further you go into Jupiter, the higher the temperature and the, the, basically the higher the pressure. Mm-hmm. So if you flew you know, a spacecraft through Jupiter, um, you'd essentially just be burnt up and then crushed. There's virtually no way that we can actually just fly through it. It's not like you know, the clouds on Earth where we can just mm. you know, zip through on a plane. Okay. All right. Even if we made some sort of space submarine that was able to withstand pressure like that? Oh, look, I'll, I'll wait till your plans for the first prototype come out and okay. we'll see if it's strong enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Josh, hey, um, we are in the middle of school holidays this week. Is there is there a, uh, an online platform that people can check out for keeping up to date with um, the Stardome? Yeah, just a regular social. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter is still up and running. All mm. of our active posts are up on there. Um, and, yeah, we're also doing outreach if anyone's one of kids to get back to school. We're doing online stuff um, and, yeah, call out to school. So, yeah, that's still an option for any of those kids out there. Are you doing any of the rocket launching in, in the park at all? 
Um, we're doing that for our race. So if any of the schools that we go out to, um, we bring the rock, little rockets oh, in with okay. us, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, definitely get amongst that. Excellent. Hey, Josh from the start, thank you very much for chatting to us this afternoon. Uh, we'll look forward to speaking with you in a fortnight's time. All right. I'll talk to you then. All right. Sweet. Bye. Right, Coffee to it. Control, we are docked. That was spaced out on 95 BFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium.